Welcome to Energy Stew. This is Peter Roth, your host. And I'd like to ask you, have you been reviewed? <laughs> well, maybe not yet. Well, maybe there are a lot of reviews all the time in our lives or by ourselves. We review ourselves all the time. But what happens after our life is over? Um, do we get reviewed? And if so, what do you think will be your review? So to help us understand the whole review process is a guest who's been on the show many times. And I'm so glad he's back. He's um, been a researcher of near-death experiences and really has seen and heard so many stories about the other side that it's, it's wonderful to talk with him. David Such, welcome back to Energy Stew. Peter, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be back on the show with you again. So this idea of reviews, you've heard many times from people who have been through them and, uh, and come back to talk about it. And it's an opportunity. Because um, a lot of people are afraid of, you know, being, if they're, especially if they're religious and dogmatic, they're afraid of, being reviewed of whether they go to heaven or hell or, you know, all kinds of contrast that, you know, they're, they're, they're in fear of, in fear of being reviewed. What do you say about that? Well, you know, if what I was taught in Catholic school was true, they should be afraid because God loves you very much. But if you break one of his rules, he's going to burn you in hell forever. <laughs> that's, okay. that's what they taught me. So, of course, people have guilt and fear regarding it. But it's very interesting. One of the common elements in these life reviews and about, I think it's around 30%, uh, something like that, of near-death experiencers have some kind of life review, is there is no judgment whatsoever from those watching the review there is a judgment, but it's coming from the individual who's going through it, who will often feel bad when they do not make a choice in their life out of love or when they really harm or hurt somebody else. So yeah, there's there's absolutely no judgment, no guilt. It's simply for a learning process, just like, you know, if I was a teacher and reviewing a math test and, you know, this is where you, you know, got the answers wrong. You got to work on these areas. This is where you did well. Great. You've done fine there. And it's just for the purposes of uh, learning and growing our consciousness. No, no judgment, no condemnation. Even one guy, he's going through his life review and he gets to a part where he murdered another man, you know, and he's all upset. And these angels who are with him said, well, what's the problem? He says, what do you mean? What's the problem? I just murdered a man. He said, ah, not really. He's here and he'll go back to earth when he's ready again. I mean, you're doing fine. So, you know, they kind of have a different perspective than we do. Yeah, but we have to hold our disappointments about life in, in a way that's hard to understand because life is shocking. What happens, what we do and, and what happens to us in many ways that are harsh, like um, being torn away from children or children, you know, being torn away from their parents. And then all of a sudden you're on the other side and you go, what happened? I was loving my parents and now they're not there anymore. You know, what, you know, or parents likewise saying, 
you know, we got into, I wasn't driving carefully. I, I was drinking and got into an accident and got killed and, and uh, killed some of the family and the people who are left are stranded and it's terrible. And yet when we understand that there are no mistakes in life, then we can hold it differently. But the disappointment is huge. So, yeah. Yeah, often from our perspective here on earth, we don't see the benefit of the experiences that we go through. But when you are on the other side of the veil, you get the full benefit. And I don't, I don't know if you remember a movie called The Karate Kid. Oh the yeah, original Karate Kid. Yeah, and, and, the, uh, and for the those kid of you who haven't, Ralph something the Karate Kid. Yeah, uh, I was a you know I was in karate um, competition for a number of years. Oh no, kidding! I didn't know that about you. <laughs> um, so for those of you who haven't seen the movie that might be watching, this uh, young kid is getting bullied by their kids in school. He meets this uh, older gentleman who's a karate expert who kind of saves him from getting beat up, and he says, "Teach me karate." So he says, sure, but you got to do what I tell you. And the old guy puts in the work, makes him paint the fence and then scrub the deck and then do all this work, you know, uh, wax the cars. And finally he says, well, I'm just your slave. You're not teaching me anything. And then, you know, he does these karate moves. He says, okay, now, you know, do like you're waxing a car. And he's, he's blocking this guy's punches. And he realizes that all this work that didn't seem to have any meaning that didn't seem to be teaching him had these incredibly valuable lessons. It was teaching him muscle reaction. It was strengthening his muscles and teaching him the moves and the blocking and the kicking that you do in karate. And so I think earth is a lot like that. We go through all these experiences, many of which seem meaningless or pointless, you know, pointless suffering. There's no pointless suffering. There's nothing that happens that in the grand scheme of things doesn't help to raise our consciousness. And that's the way it is with these life reviews, whether, we make a choice of love where we act out of kindness and compassion for others, where we act out of fear and are cruel and selfish with others. We learn from both. Both help us raise our consciousness. One thing that I've been curious about is that we're born into templates of personality. You know, I work with the human design system and it, it works from many traits of the Chinese I Ching that uh, are about a thousand different traits that you could have in life. And many of them are not nice. And so if we're born into a template of personality that has real glitches in it of, of treachery and, you know, ugliness. And, you know, because I've looked at the charts of a lot of people on this planet that are, I would consider evil, and their charts are quite evil. And it's like, so when they get to the other side and 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 they're asked, so what what how would how did it go? Did you perform the way you expected? And you could say, well, I was designed to perform the way I did. <laughs> so why would I have done that if it wasn't for, you know, the, the good of of all? Even though I harmed or murdered so many people in life, um, you know, all because all victims have. Uh, important lessons of being victims and of truths that they've learned from their suffering here. You get to the other side and you find out that you're still alive. Everyone else is still alive. Um, 
our souls don't die. And and then so and, and nor are injured physically. And so so what what harm was really done? And it was it was really the disappointments of life that were done, taking wrenching families apart is, is the, to me the, one of the most horrible things. And and yet when you get to the other side, you find out that those are lessons you would ask for. Oh yes. And they will switch roles. I've heard about the pre-soul planning. Okay, you know, I'm gonna be the abusive father and you're gonna be the child victim. And then next time around, we're gonna switch that around. And by seeing both perspectives, you learn more about love and compassion. And of course, much like when you go to the theater and you watch a play and there's a good guy and a bad guy. And when the play is over and the actors come out to take a bow, they don't cheer the good guy and boo the bad guy. There's cheers for everybody because if you didn't have both roles, you wouldn't have had a play. And it's the same here on earth. If consciousness is going to learn through contrast, learn through the love-fear duality, which is what we're doing down here, you've got to have the choice and you're going to have some people making fear-based choices and some people who have fear-based lives who would we, can, we would label as evil people. But in, I, I truly believe in the grand scheme of things, there is no evil. I mean, if there wasn't a purpose for that, there's a perfect plan, it's working itself out in, the, in its perfection. That's been an over-repeating uh, over you know, theme that I hear again and again from near-death experiences. If what we label as bad and evil did not have a beneficial purpose in the plan of creation, it wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be here. It wouldn't be part of reality. Right. Yet it is. So again, it comes is to of, trusting the process. If trusting all is of God and God is of love, what's all this evil? And it's just misunderstandings of third dimensional contrasts that need to be worked through that we need to contrast. And, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, some people will choose to, to be evil. I, I also think it's, I think there are the right souls for the right job too. There might be souls that aren't as advanced and don't uh, don't appreciate love the way they, they they could. And that's why they can perform evil, well, we, what we call evil here. And then when they get to the other side, they've learned what evil really is from their behavior and learn how their next lessons are to make up for it. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I believe that's true. Yeah. So it's it's hard to I mean I still have great anger at at the, the evil actors in this life. <laughs> yeah, I have my anger anger and judgmental issues as well and you know sometimes I have to remind myself anytime I'm defending myself, trying to prove that I'm right and somebody else is wrong, pointing my finger and saying that group over there, they're the ones causing the problems. If I'm doing that, I'm on the wrong side of the equation. I'm not where I want to be. Well, that reminds me of the Bhagavad Gita and the story of Arjuna, who was the hero. And, you know, and he's this prince of a kingdom. And there, there's about to be a war between the good guys and the bad guys. You know, the bad guys are the um, people who are, you know, who 
let's say the capitalists <laughs> who have taken advantage of society and, and done harmful things to, to make their own greed and corruption work out for them. And then there are a lot of the, the supposedly good guys who are victims of it. And, and so there's a war between the two and, and they're on a battlefield about to face each other and they know each other, but you know, they're lined up good against evil. And Krishna, and, and so Arjuna is a prince of the, of the kingdom, and he rides out into the battlefield in the middle before it starts. And his chariot driver turns to him, and uh, his name is Krishna, and says, by the way, I'm not only your chariot driver, I'm God. <laughs> and I'm here to teach you a lesson or lessons about life. So we're going to go through uh, the understandings of life. And so the Bhagavad Gita is all about Krishna's teachings to Arjuna in the, you know, before the battle starts on the chariot and in between the right, you know, the good and bad guys. And when they get done, Arjuna says, well, a war is supposed to start. And I, I'm, I'm with the good guys. And yet I know that I have to love the bad guys and that I understand the bigger picture that all is one. So how am I to be a warrior? How can I go and start killing off these bad guys, supposed bad guys now, when I know that all is one? And Arjuna says, well, you're here to be a warrior in life, so be one. Hmm. And you have to go to battle, because that's the, the role you came here for in life, even though you know better. Hmm. So in a sense, that might be the higher way that that evil plays out here, where you know, in the larger picture, it knows better, but still has to perform what it needs to create contrast and lessons of contrast. Yeah, I, I really do believe that sometimes it does take a painful experience to make us change our ways. So life will give us whatever experience is necessary for the advancement of our consciousness, even if that's an unpleasant experience and as unpleasant as war. Uh, Near-death experiences have been told there would have been many more wars on earth if it were not for angelic and heavenly intervention. But because we have free will, if we're hell bent on going to war, well, you know, they'll let us and, and we learn our lessons the hard way. You know, I, I, looking back in school, you know, learning about things like World War II, well, you know, who won World War II? It's like, oh my God, you, you can't win a war. It's death, disease, destruction, dismemberment, uh, you know, just, a sheer waste of, of human life and resources. Nobody wins wars. There's losers on every side. But if there's a lesson in there to be learned, you know, like, and the lesson, of course, is real clear. We need to work out our differences peacefully, you know, without picking up guns and knives and killing each other. So where is it all headed? Because <laughs> we keep on having this heavy contrast here between, let's say, good and evil. And well, we're kind of uh, slug-brained and thick-skulled, and it's taken us a while to get the idea, but there's probably going to be another 50 years at least of, of some wars, maybe some major ones, not where every country in the world's involved, you know, not another world war, but uh, my understanding from the potentials of the future, anytime you talk about the future, it's only the potentials because we have free will, but with the way it looks like we're going now, I think we're about 50 years away from peace on earth, which will only be the first step, and then we'll really start marching towards the new world of love that's coming. 
Well, I'm I'm more of an optimist about the timing. <laughs> no, I, I hope you're right. I mean, there's people who say it's going to happen in 10 years. You know, oh, you're wrong. It's going to happen in 10 years. And I say, well, I hope to God I am wrong. Um, <laughs> so I'd love it saying, to come sooner rather than later. Some people yeah. are saying two or three years. Yeah, yeah that would be even more awesome. But it, it takes time. Change takes time. You know, a two-year-old doesn't go from being two years old all of a sudden to being a responsible 20-year-old adult with a job and you know, a family to take care of. It It's a long process maturing and right. you know, we're going to have lots of setbacks along the way and that's okay. You right. know, we're going to have lots of ups plan. and downs. Right. But I think with the, 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 the factor that will create change is more clarity. And I oh, think sure. we're coming into a time of such great clarity that it'll be easier to see how to move forward in positive ways. You know, I, I agree with that. I just uh, recently heard a channel where this woman named Melissa talks with an entity and uh, that she's been talking with for many years. And this, uh, it's, it's her spiritual guide, said, you know, uh, it's going to be a matter of about 10 years before we know that, you know, for a fact that aliens are around. And by the way, you know, because she was on this spiritual channel, Channels like this and channels like yours, Peter, are a big part of bringing higher consciousness, higher consciousness ideas to humanity. I mean, it's you're, you're, a channel like this is has a big influence on getting the good word out and positively influencing people's lives. And yeah, it's a part and, of humanity's and, ascension. So, I mean, it's really important to do this work, even right. though it doesn't pay anything. You know, <laughs> there's a growing population of of those of us who are in, in really good communication with beings on, um, I would say the other side, but there are many different densities, uh, you know, or dimensions and, and uh, different worlds. And it's, it's fascinating that the universe is so infinite that we can be visited from, by people from other universes as well as our own universe. That's pretty fascinating. What is it that Einstein said? Two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the universe is actually you know, a multiverse. It's, I mean, we're... Yes. Our universe you know, is one of maybe an infinite number of universes. Just, you know, maybe, you know, the size of our universe is so huge with all these trillions of... of stars and planets and galaxies and all of that and yet it's just one universe and what if there's trillions of universes like this and there are oh uh, yeah the, the size is just mind-blowing i mean you, okay think about it from a human perspective you know no matter how hard you try you cannot imagine how big creation is you travel at the speed of light that's seven times around the earth in one second really fast <laughs> now the pinpoint of light in space that we call the milky way galaxy just a little pinpoint in space to cross that little pinpoint you would have to travel at that tremendous speed of light all day all night 24 hours a day seven days a week for your entire lifetime and then repeat that for 1200 lifetimes just across the pinpoint of light we call the milky galaxy and milky way galaxy and that pinpoint of of the our entire universe is a pinpoint in the super universe 
Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, you can't imagine. It's just beyond human imagination how big creation is. We got a really big family. You know, God's but, creation is is unimaginably huge. But that's when we think of it in linear terms. Sure. You know, when we can think of it in quantum terms, um, we don't have to follow the time-space continuum that we've been introduced to. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why we apparently have thousands of UFOs around us and all these people from many other planets and all kinds of constellations. And and what does that say about time and space uh, that they can move through that? They don't have to take all this time to go from one part of our galaxy to another. Then I've heard about how they do that, by the way. So I, I think it was uh, Daralanka who channels Bashar who described it. And then I've heard it from other sources. I actually heard it from uh, a whistleblower um, who was working with sort of the, you know, crashed alien craft that they have here. He said the same thing. So complete, two different complete sources, completely different sources. So every physical object, you know, this battery pack has a specific frequency and energy signature that determines its physical characteristics. And part of that energy and frequency signature determines the location of the object. And so alien ships that travel the vast distances of space do not do it by traveling faster than light. That's an impossible. So what they do is they'll turn their shields on. They have these shields that protect their ship. And then they will accelerate to near light speed. And there is a tremendous energy pushing against the shields of their ships when they do this. And then they drop their shields and then they get this huge influx of energy. They, can, they use that energy to convert the physical ship into pure energy or in what's called null space. And now that they're pure energy, they can change the signature that creates the physical object to change its location. And then they change back to a physical object. And now it, they're in a different location. So the way their ships move is they accelerate close to light speed. They change into pure energy. And then they all of a sudden begin to exist in another place. And then they have to decelerate. And of course, they've learned things like, you know, they cannot come out of this null space into phys the physical space again within 158,000 kilometers of a planet because you can knock a planet off its axis and things like that. But yeah, they do it by their ships jumping from one location to another going through null space. Pretty wild. I, I don't it. know if it's true, but it makes well, sense. I, my sense is that it needs to be true. Otherwise, we're, we're really more planted in this density than we'd want to be. You know, it's... And, it's I, and I understand humanity is eventually going to learn that technology and we're oh, going to yeah. have relationships with other species in our galaxy and the Galactic Federation of Worlds kind of wants us to join and we'll probably right. be joining them before uh, before long, within a couple of uh, centuries probably, we'll be joining them, maybe sooner than later, I hope. I, yeah, I'm, I'm an optimist about time. Um, and I... I I know that my grandchildren are here to be leaders of, of, of a more advanced society. And so that's expected to grow that way. 
Um, so yeah, this is so wonderful to talk with you because you, you and I, we can talk about, you know, anything uh, of, of esoteric importance. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's the kind of discussion that I think a lot of people are excited about because there's so many people who are are aware of of their multidimensional nature of of you know how they exist in a in a universe that is not settled. I mean, what happens when you get to the other side? That that's a, as a whole different time reality, and that's a whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So well, other, there's not even any time there. That's a concept I don't get. No time. Well, there is enough time to have sequence so you can have duality so that you can actually relate to each other and and have, you know, make progress. Um, because you can't have progress unless you have time. So there is a duality there. It's just much more, I believe, much more plastic. It's much more, you know, um, cre uh, created by intention rather than uh, in this third dimension, you know, our intention got us here, but then we're bumping around. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've heard that the process of manifestation on the other side of the veil is, is instantaneous. Right. But here, I mean, it's in place here. Whatever you focus your attention and energy on, you'll create, you know, but it's a slow, long, drawn out process. It requires generally physical action. You know, if I'm thirsty and want to drink a water, I can't just you know, say, oh, I'm going to manifest water in my mouth. And it appears I've got to think it. And then I got to reach over and grab my water glass and take a drink. Mm -hmm. So yeah, down here, it's a slow process. And over on the other side, it's sort of instantaneous. And I've heard even things like they set up these things called quantum fields. And so that whatever you can imagine or think about is created. Right. And yeah. So, yeah. We can do another show talking about what the other side looks like. Um, yeah. There are, there are cities, there's countryside, there's even oceans, all kinds of things that have been manifested that are not third dimensionally real, but, but they, let's call them a figment of our imagination, but it's our imagination with intention that makes it appear very real. Yep. I'm looking forward, most of all, my, you know, speaking personally, to seeing the flowers of heaven. I, I'm a big fan of flowers. I'm and uh, I've heard about the flowers of heaven and these beautiful colors that don't exist here and they glow with their own light and they kind of like have this vibration where they kind of sing and it's very beautiful. I'm really that. looking forward to seeing the gardens of heaven. Yeah. Love that. So David Such, uh, how can people find you? Well, through my website, godtookmyclothes.com. There's a free uh, two chapter preview of my book. And there's also a link to my spiritual counseling for people who go through NDEs, OBEs, spiritual awakenings, that kind of thing. Or if they can, uh, my, my email is on my website, God Took My Clothes. And if they just want to send a question at the time of this recording, I'm still answering all questions. And of course, I don't charge for that. Wonderful. David, it's so great to talk with you. I'm, just, I'm so happy that we could do this. It was a pleasure speaking with you as well, Peter. Thanks for having me on again. Sure. And this is Peter Roth, your host of Energy Stew at prn.live. I can be reached at peter at heartriver, H-E-A-R-T, river.org. I'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. <laughs>